0: KKXX Studios, Chico Life Radio, 104.5 FM and AM 930. It is great to be with you another Wednesday evening where we continue our reflections into this special topic of mercy. We are uh, reflecting into Pope Benedict's vision of mercy. We are really engaging this most wonderful topic of love, and and not in some generic sense, but really pinning it down to be that concrete act of self-gift that we can never really discover our human potential, until we learn the language of love. And, and I'm not talking about those five languages of love that are so often talked about, but the one language of self-gift, okay? That one language of self-gift. So uh, what I'd like to do for this evening is wrap up our reflection with Benedict XVI, which will allow us to then talk at least a little bit um, about Pope Francis. All of that being said, back in 2000, Pope Benedict XVI, as Cardinal Ratzinger, offered up what I believe to be a very important reflection into understanding the new evangelization, and I just wanted to read a snippet of that. He says this, The kingdom of God always starts under this sign, that is, the sign of the mustard seed. New evangelization cannot mean immediately attracting the large masses that have distanced themselves from the church by using new and more refined methods. No, this is not what the new evangelization promises. New evangelization means never being satisfied with the fact that from the grain of mustard seed, the great tree of the universal church grew never thinking that the fact that different birds may find place among its branches can suffice. Rather, it means to dare once again and with the humility of the small grain to leave up to God the when and how it will grow. Large things always begin from the small seed. In his vision of the evolutionary process, Chardin mentions the white of the origins he means to say this, the beginning of a new species is invisible and cannot be found by scientific research. The sources are hidden. They are too small. In other words, the large realities begin in humility. A truth is present in the very actions of God in history. The Lord did not set his affection on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other peoples, for you were the fewest of all peoples. But it was because the Lord loved you. God says this to the people of Israel in the Old Testament and thus expresses the fundamental paradox of the history of salvation. Certainly, God does not count in large numbers. Exterior power is not the sign of his presence. Most of our Lord's parables indicate the structure of divine intervention and thus answer the disciples' worries who are expecting other kinds of success and signs from the Messiah. Successes of the kind offered by Satan to the Lord, all these, the kingdoms of the world, I will give you. Okay, so what is Benedict talking about there as Cardinal Ratzinger? Well, the relationship between poverty (laughs) and the new evangelization. We spoke extensively about the relationship between poverty and love last week. Well, we're made to see the relationship this week between poverty, and the new evangelization. Because ultimately, if the new evangelization is going to be an outgrowth of the heart, it must be a heart that is poor in God. Because only then can we learn the language of love. And certainly, again, this is what Benedict XVI wants us to see. Uh, This call we have to just abandon ourselves to God for the sake of other. This call we have to be poor in God. Essentially, this call we have to trust God in all things. And is this not the banner of mercy? Jesus, I trust in you. Jesus, I trust in you. It is that great threshold moment of jumping into the infinite and inexhaustible treasure of God's love. Benedict XVI reminds us of the unique relationship That exists between mercy and evangelization insofar as we see spiritual poverty as the binding element. And uh, this ought to be our segue to Pope Francis, but maybe before we get into his own words, we should say something to the canonization of uh, St. John the 23rd and St. John Paul the second on the same day on Divine Mercy Sunday. Now, as I have said before, when one thinks about it, there really was genius in canonizing John the 23rd and John Paul II on the same day and having them share that uh, stage together. I suppose this would be the case for two reasons. First, in John the 23rd, you have the father figure to the Second Vatican Council, huh? And in St. John Paul II, you have the father figure to the new evangelization. In both Vatican II and the call for a new evangelization, you have this unequivocal call for the universal vocation to holiness and at once how this vocation of holiness leads us to exist for other in word and deed. And certainly, this is uh, something that Pope Francis has echoed on a number of occasions. Now, second, one needs to look no further than uh, the day they were canonized, right? Why? Because, well, what have we been talking about but Divine Mercy Sunday and this chief attribute of God, mercy. How wonderful it is to contemplate the deeper meaning of how God works providentially. I mean, mercy is the link in the chain that binds these two men, John the 23rd and John Paul II. Remember what we talked about a few weeks ago in our reflections on John the 23rd. The divine mercy message was his first task as Pope. Recall his opening words in his opening homily to Vatican II. This is John Twenty-third, At the outset of the Second Vatican Council, it is evident, as always, that the truth of the Lord will remain forever. We see, in fact, as one age succeeds another, that the opinions of men follow one another and exclude each other and often airs vanish as quickly as they arise, like fog before the sun. The church has always opposed these errors. Frequently, she has condemned them with the greatest severity. Nowadays, however, the spouse of Christ prefers to make use of the medicine of mercy rather than that of severity. So Pope John Twenty-Third, Saint John Twenty-Third, called the church and everyone in it to offer the world what the medicine of mercy in her life-giving faith of truth and love. And as we have explored in detail with his muscle-bound intellect and saintly heart, certainly Saint John Paul II took this great virtue of mercy and sounded the trumpet, did he not? Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid and trust in Jesus. These two phrases really bookended his whole pontificate. And so again, how wonderfully providential and sovereign is our Lord that he would inspire Pope Francis and Holy Mother Church to canonize John Paul II on the very day he inscribed into the liturgical calendar Divine Mercy Sunday. And as we have discussed, on the very day he died. Now, as we are aware one of the strategic goals of St. John the 23rd and St. John Paul II was to prepare man for the third millennium. And certainly, Benedict XVI, as the first pope to be installed in the third millennium, took that baton and offered up some very important accents to mercy, if you will. Namely, again, how it is rooted in truth and is bonded with the poverty of God. And in our current Holy Father, Pope Francis, we have a man has us going back in so many ways to St. John the 23rd's vision of mercy. And how does he do this? He does so by calling the church a field hospital. We probably have heard that phrase. He writes this, the thing the church needs most today is the ability to heal wounds and to warm the hearts of the faithful. It needs nearness, proximity, I see the church as a field hospital after battle. It is useless to ask a person who is seriously injured if he has high cholesterol. You have to heal his wounds. Then we can talk about everything else. You have to start from the ground up. In these words, Pope Francis really grabs hold of John XXIII's opening address and puts a bow on it. Indeed, the church is a field hospital carrying with her the medicine of mercy, most especially in the sacramental life of the church. One of the things Pope Francis rarely makes headlines for, though he does it often, is talk about the devil. Satan wants people to feel alone and isolated. We must keep him from success, right? We must answer and anticipate in so many ways every cry for help, both practically and prayerfully. That is to say, as we have talked about it in great detail already in the corporal works of mercy and in the spiritual works of mercy. The church as a field hospital is at the work of cleaning, helping, embracing, attracting, and healing as only divine mercy can. And of course, in this extraordinary jubilee year devoted to mercy, Pope Francis calls all Catholics to return to the hospital, if you will, so as to be healed that we might bear witness to the people in the field, so to speak, the healing reality of the sacramental church. Incidentally, it should be noted while I'm thinking about it that this year, as highlighted in his bold vindiction, started on the 50th anniversary to the close of what? Vatican II. December 8th, right? The Feast of the Immaculate Conception. The seamlessness of uh, Vatican II and the new evangelization is everywhere, because God working in and through the Church is everywhere. Uh, now, maybe I can hear some of you asking the question, as I said it, what is a, a bowl of indiction? <laughs> well, the term bowl um, from the Latin bula, uh means bubble, or more generally, a rounded object. It originally indicated the metal capsule used to protect the wax seal attached with a cord to a document of particular importance to attest to its authenticity and, as a consequence, right, its authority. Over time, as many of these words do, the term began to be used first to indicate the seal, then the document itself, so that nowadays it is used for all papal documents of special importance that bear or at least traditionally would have borne the pontiff's seal. So the bull of indiction of a jubilee, for instance, in the case of an extraordinary holy year, constitutes the fundamental document for recognizing the spirit in which it is announced and the intentions and the outcomes hoped for by the pontiff who, in fact, invokes it for the church. Okay, so important footnote there, I think, for some of you on what is a a bowl of indiction. I think it's beautiful to kind of reflect on how the Church communicates her faith in relationship to history, right? And that's certainly what you get when you start reflecting into the significance of a seal. Okay, now, as it relates to Pope Francis, first, and really what's more of a caveat than anything else, is the way in which God continues to leave us Uh, more breadcrumbs to ponder, uh, specifically to his providential love. Uh, What do I mean? Well, that the man who would ascend to the sea of Saint Peter would have as his motto on his coat of arms by having mercy, by choosing him, is striking. If mercy is what this age is all about, then why not another man who brings attention to the important and unique relationship that exists between the corporal and spiritual works of mercy? You know, we often say, practice what you preach, but it is not wrong to preach what you practice, most especially when what you preach is the mercy of God. In an important paragraph that, uh, that comes to us from this bowl of um in, in paragraph 12, Pope Francis writes, "...the church is commissioned to announce the mercy of God, the beating heart of the gospel, which in its own way must penetrate the heart and mind of every person. The spouse of Christ must pattern her behavior after the Son of God who went out to everyone without exception. In the present day, as the church is charged with the task of the new evangelization, The theme of mercy needs to be proposed again and again with new enthusiasm and renewed pastoral action. Gosh, does that not dovetail so much of what we have been talking about? He continues, It is absolutely essential for the church and for the credibility of her message that she herself live and testify to mercy. Her language and her gestures must transmit mercy so as to touch the hearts of all people and inspire them once more to find the road that leads to the Father. One way to do this is to personally accompany them in what he called, of course, personal accompaniment in joy of the gospel. Something that we have talked about a great deal at uh, various points and reflections here on Seeds of Truth. Simply, personal accompaniment is about taking the person by the hand and listening to the person you're talking to. Not first talking to them, but first listening to them, right? Giving the person that you are engaging the experience of being listened to. So then you know what to say, how to say it, and ultimately when to say it, okay? So often we think we know what to say, how to say it, and when to say it. And how could we possibly know that if we have not first listened to the person we are talking to? Yes, I get there are times when we need to preach truth. Uh, What do we do here on the radio? We preach truth, and there is a setting for that. But when we are engaging one another in that beautiful evangelical conversation, we need to be willing to listen and uh, listen well. If we want to speak better about matters, we must first listen more. So important, and again, This is what Pope Francis calls personal accompaniment, taking the person by the hand. My dear friends, we have to highlight a quintessential point as it relates to any and every conversation. Each and every one of us have a very unique and particular story to tell. How can we possibly know that story if we do not listen? Moreover, how can we possibly speak to that situation if we are unfamiliar with it? this is why we need to listen more to speak better. You know, this topic of personal accompaniment brings us back to that quote about the field hospital, the need to help another person put the band-aid on the wound, so to speak, that recovery itself might actually take place. You know, personal accompaniment is when we journey with one another, and in the words of Pope Francis, reflecting our closeness, And our compassionate gaze which heals, liberates, and encourages growth in the Christian life. And obviously, without ignoring the importance of correcting others and helping them to grow on the basis of recognition of the objective evil of their actions, as Pope Francis himself highlighted in Joy of the Gospel, Pope Francis also says, "...someone good at such accompaniment does not give in to frustration or fears." He or she invites others to let themselves be healed, to take up their mat, embrace the cross, leave all behind and go forth ever new to proclaim the gospel. Our personal experience of being accompanied and assisted and of openness to those who accompany us will teach us to be patient and compassionate with others and to find the right way to gain their trust, their openness, and their readiness to grow. Mm, Beautiful. As we have mentioned before, my friends, friendships are instrumental to the new evangelization, and key to any friendship is the listen-response dynamic that is so vital in every relationship. To truly listen is to be obedient to what is proper to any dialogue, right? This kind of listening is open to the words, the intent, And the very reality of the other as they make their way into the mind and heart of the listener. This is why we are talking about the art of listening as we do. I mean, we ought to appreciate the importance of the listening ear in any dialogue that seeks to bring someone into the beauty of the faith. I mean, this is essential as we have the propensity to squeeze in what we have to say in any given conversation, right? and certainly coming from a family of 13, I get this. Listening is an art because it challenges us to let go of what we think needs to be said and calls us to be open to the promptings of the Holy Spirit, what we ought to say based upon what we hear. You know, it really is taboo to prescript our conversations as tempting as it is. Ultimately, my friends, the right dialogue Becomes an art that unveils the potential of something new and beautiful to be encountered in the other person, and ultimately, only then can it give glory to God. We just have to be willing to listen, which requires more than hearing, but an openness of heart, so that indeed something new and beautiful will be encountered. We are made to see how listening should really be understood as a concrete act of mercy, right? So in so many ways, this paragraph 12 from this bowl of indiction is very important to help us uh, faithfully live out this call to live in God's mercy and ultimately share God's mercy with the world. Now, I want to talk about something else that Pope Francis talks about in this document, and that is his emphasis on the importance of going on a pilgrimage and ultimately the grace that accompanies it. And this is Pope Francis. The practice of pilgrimage has a special place in the Holy Year because it represents the journey each of us makes in this life. Life itself is a pilgrimage, and the human being is a pilgrim traveling along the road, making his way to the desired destination. Similarly, to reach the Holy Door in Rome or in any other place in the world, everyone, each according to his or her ability, will have to make a pilgrimage This will be a sign that mercy is also a goal to reach and requires dedication and sacrifice. May pilgrimage be an impetus to conversion. By crossing the threshold of the holy door, we will find the strength to embrace God's mercy and dedicate ourselves to being merciful with others as the Father has been with us. So, we have been given an extraordinary gift and opportunity to draw from a treasure? Are we taking the time out of our busy schedule to go and draw from this treasure? I mean, imagine if you were told that, say, I don't know, $5,000 was sitting on the steps of your local church, your local church or cathedral, and whoever wants it, come and get it. How might we react to that? How might your neighbors react to that? Now, I know analogies are never an exact science, but the intention is to get us thinking about something differently, right? Because ultimately, what happens? We forget. What do we forget? Well, that during an extraordinary Jubilee year, (laughs) we are given the opportunity to draw from the treasure of God's grace. And so to reflect upon the significance of going on a pilgrimage is important because hopefully it rekindles that deeper sense of what a jubilee year is all about, a year where God pours out his grace upon each and every one of us. But as we've talked about before, we need to act first and foremost in any prescriptions that come with, say, an indulgence, right? Prayer, fasting, almsgiving, frequenting the sacramental life, all of these things are necessary. Now, why does the Church do this? Well, to encourage us to be more vibrant in our Christian Catholic faith, right? In so many ways, the Church offers us a Jubilee year, and the Church in her liturgical calendar offers us certain seasons as gifts, yes, but also reminders of what the Christian and Catholic life ought to look like. I often say during Lent and Advent, these are seasons that are certainly beautiful for how they express our faith in all of its signs and symbols. But the much deeper reality is how God calls us to a deeper conversion, and ultimately how this conversion is called to transcend just a particular liturgical season. Similarly, our experience and our encounters with God, this extraordinary jubilee year of mercy, is to transcend this particular year. How? Well, faithfully live out the corporal and spiritual works of mercy when the year ends, right? Okay, so this is uh, why the church does what she does (laughs) during these special years and special seasons, and why we are called to really go deeper into our faith, because as I've always said, behind every encounter with Jesus Christ is something new and beautiful to be encountered each and every day. Amen. With that, let us close with a word of prayer. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Good and gracious God, we do just offer you a special thanks and praise for the gift of this evening, the opportunity to reflect into the richness of this great topic of mercy, and all that it provides for us in our reflections, reflections that we are called to integrate each and every day. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen, and God bless you. Thanks for listening to Seeds of Truth, heard every evening, Monday through Friday at 5.30 here on KKXX,